You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. Hi, this is John Stonge. In today's episode, you're about to hear a training event that I hosted with Servant Keeper that was geared toward ministry leaders of various stripes, and we were talking about the concept of bouncing back from burnout. So I don't know if you've ever experienced burnout or feelings of burnout during the course of your life or your ministry, but in this seminar, in this training event, we're going to be talking about some of the signs of burnout. We're also going to be talking about some biblical concepts that we should know about if we're going to ultimately heal from burnout. And we're going to talk about some practical solutions on how we can deal with burnout and truly bounce back from it if it's something we've wrestled with. So it's a little bit of a longer training event. It might be something that you listen to in multiple sessions, but I wanted to make it available for you here on the podcast, and I hope it'll be beneficial to you in whichever role of leadership you're currently serving in. So without further delay, let's get into the training today, Bouncing Back from Burnout. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that's certainly a relevant topic, the idea of bouncing back from burnout. And um, you know, many of us who have been serving in ministry for any length of time have certainly, uh, I, I would imagine, experienced our own seasons of burnout. And we've also seen colleagues who have experienced seasons of burnout. Um, I can remember, so this is year 23 for me as far as serving full-time. I served part-time a little bit prior to that. But this is year 23 full-time. And when I think of uh, some of the men that I came into pastoral ministry with at, uh, you know, they came in at the same time I did 23 years ago. Uh, many of those men burned out, and some of them burned out in such a way that it did a lot of damage either to themselves or to their family or, or to their church. And so it, this is certainly a, a subject that has a lot of consequence to it. And so we want to be uh, very intentional about giving some answers and ideas. And I, I think you'll find our discussion today very practical because we're going to give you some suggestions that will uh, certainly help you not only identify if you're burning out, but ways that you can address it in a very healthy, Christ-centered way. One other thing, and I'll try to remember to mention this at the end, I do have some free resources over at my website, desirejesus.com. One of the things I have over there is a free book uh, called The Mind of Christ, and it's learning to think and perceive uh, with the mind of Christ. I think it's got some very relevant information related to this subject of burnout. So if you want to grab a free copy of that at some point today, stop by the website and uh, feel free to download a copy. It's there for you if you'd like it. Uh, but again, talking about bouncing back from burnout, let's kind of set this up here by mentioning a few things. Serving in ministry leadership is not easy. I think all of us can acknowledge that. I think all of us know that for certain. Uh, only a small percentage of people who begin in a vocational ministry remain in that ministry throughout their working years. I saw a statistic not too long ago that stated that, that most people who train for ministry uh, only last in full-time ministry a period of five years before they decide to do something else, and burnout is a major contributor to that. 
Burnout's a very real possibility. It's something that needs to be openly acknowledged. I think it's very difficult for us as church leaders at times to be willing to acknowledge it because it's not always easy, I think, for us to display our weaknesses or admit our weaknesses to others. But we want to be honest about burnout because it can have some pretty major consequences on our individual lives, on our families, on the churches that we serve. And so we want to acknowledge it in a healthy way. It's certainly a reality. And none of us on the the call today, none of us on the webinar, are exempt from its effects. Now, a couple things I'll just have you think about here for just a moment. Have you personally ever felt close to burning out. I'm just going to be transparent with you and say that I absolutely have. And the funny thing is, when you get close to it, that means you've been ignoring it for a very long time. I know in my case, uh, when, when I've had those seasons, and there's been more than one season that this has been the case, where I felt pretty close to burning out. And uh, unfortunately, that means that I was allowing things to progress for way too long and uh, and not really handling things in the healthiest way that I could have. Um, how about this? Have you ever experienced a prolonged season of questioning whether or not it's time for you to stop serving in your role of leadership? I think that that's something that many people in church leadership wrestle with, whether or not it's maybe time for us to 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 kind of close up shop and uh, maybe do something else or serve in a different realm or something like that because we're feeling overly discouraged or overly worn out or just plain so fatigued or, or beaten down that that we'd really just like to 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 move along and and not even think about some of the responsibilities that we have at present. But if these are things that sound familiar to you, I'm also curious, have you ever analyzed what may have brought you to this point? I think we want to be self-aware about what could actually bring us to a point of experiencing ministry burnout. And I think what we're going to be talking about today here it will uh, be helpful in helping us not only analyze it, but helping us figure out how we can deal with it in a very constructive way. Now, let's talk about some common reasons for burnout. And this is one I'd love to see some of your reactions in the question area here as I'm sharing these things. So I'm going to try and monitor the questions here as I share some of these things. But there are some pretty common reasons for burnout. People are people. Leaders are leaders. We all deal with the same exact things, just in different contexts. And there's some things that really lead to ministry burnout among church leaders. And the first is this, the fact that you're on call 24-7. That's something that, you know, there's some professions that understand that, but there's not not many. Most professions are not on call 24-7. And some people have set times when they are on call, but other than those set times when they are on call or set days when they're on call, they're not on call every day of the year 24-7. So it's a very uncommon thing for us. And because of that, it can be difficult to sleep. It can be difficult to give your mind rest. It can be difficult to get away. I know one of the things that I've been doing, and I don't have a slide that mentions this, but in recent years, uh, I've been actually, so I don't know how well you could see my phone, but on my phone, I have a do not disturb icon that's an option. It's that it looks like a half moon on, on my phone. And uh, I have started at night putting my phone on do not disturb, but it took me a while to get to the point where I was willing to do that because I thought, well, what if somebody needs me in the middle of the night? Because that can sometimes happen 
But I think most people are understanding that in the middle of the night, you may or may not be able to get somebody. And so I thought, you know what, for the sake of being able to actually sleep, I need to put do not disturb on my phone. But I think I think most of us, if not all of us on the call, have dealt with the fact that when you're on call 24-7, that can definitely be something that contributes to burnout when you realize that that's something that we deal with for years and years and years. How about this? The desire to please people or to solve all their problems. I'm sure some of us on the call here feel like there are people in your life who look at you and they expect you to be somebody who knows every answer about parenting, every answer about marriage and relationships, every answer about spiritual growth, where to find anything at any given time in the Bible. You have to have the whole Bible memorized and be able to bring up the verse references like a snap of your finger. Um, maybe they expect you to know things about personal finances. Maybe they expect you to know things about fixing their car. I know that someone recently asked me a question about a referral for home repairs, like I would have a referral network in the back of my mind for every unique kind of home repair. And I thought to myself, all right, I want to give a helpful answer. But I also thought, why are you asking me that question? Why, why of all things would you say, you know, we're, we're having uh, this issue with our house. I should ask the pastor. He should know. <laughs> so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here for a second because I want to see in the questions here real quick. Uh, let me know here, do either of the first two resonate with anyone that's on the call? Either give me a yes or a thumbs up. Let me just see here in the uh, in the question section. The fact that you're on 24-7, on call 24-7, or the fact that there are people that want to, or that, that expect you to solve all of their problems. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna monitor the questions here. I don't see any just yet. Oh, there we go. All right, yep. Now I'm seeing some. All right, Michael says yes. Yeah, Davis, absolutely. All right, so I I'm not out to lunch here. These are things that that we all are wrestling with. Okay. All right. How about this? Another common reason for burnout can be an inability to delegate responsibilities. You know, at times. We have we have all kinds of responsibilities. There's all sorts of things that you and I wrestle with, and an, in, an inability to delegate some of those responsibilities can be a real challenge, because there's actually some things that you could technically delegate it to somebody else, but people seem to want you to be the one that does it, even though you may know that there's somebody in your congregation, in your context, who could possibly do what you're being asked to do uh, even better. But, um, but you're, you're, there are people that kind of pressure you to be the one to actually do what needs to be done. Uh, how about this? Feeling like you need to be good at everything. You know, one of the things that, that amazed me when I became uh, a pastor is how the job feels like it's four or five jobs or maybe even more all wrapped in, into one because you have to be good at, at teaching. But that's kind of a different skill than preaching. They're similar, but not exactly the same. So you got to be a teacher. You got to be a preacher. You have to be good at leadership. You have to be good at counseling. You also need to be a vision caster. Uh, you know, most pastors serve in churches that are under 100 in attendance, which also means there are certain things about property maintenance that you may be responsible for, or even if you're not technically responsible for it, you probably feel like you're responsible for it. 
And, and so we feel like we need to be good at everything. And this year, and this is a real kicker, um, this year many of us who don't feel like we're necessarily technically savvy or technologically savvy have felt like, all right, this is a year apparently now I need to know everything there is to know about live streaming and audio and video and podcasting and everything else that goes along with that. And I can tell you in uh, interacting with some of my colleagues, there are some some of my good friends that have felt really, really stretched. So feeling like you need to be good at everything definitely can be a cause for burnout. How about this? Lacking a support network. Many pastors have shared with me through the years uh, just how they feel alone and sometimes misunderstood um, and, and really struggling with uh, just a variety of things. Uh, how, how about this? Now, I'm sure... Nobody on the call here today has ever dealt with this, so maybe this is just me. But experiencing unhelpful criticism on a regular basis. Unhelpful criticism, experiencing that on a regular basis. I have to tell you, there is nothing more deflating than that. And at times, you know, you can... One of the things that really gets me sometimes is when I've taken the time to do something that is helpful... But because somebody wants to treat it as if it's like a turf issue in the local church, you, you get criticized for the helpful thing that you did because somebody else feels like that was their turf or whatever it may be. And you think, you know, you're just, I'm just trying to help. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anyone's thunder away or, or whatever it may be. But experiencing unhelpful criticism on a regular basis. One of my friends who he's actually no longer serving in pastoral ministry. And one of the reasons that he said that he needed to step away was because he felt like the unhelpful criticism was like being hit with little bean bags. And when you're hit with one bean bag, you don't feel it so much. You think of it as a nuisance. But when it keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming over a long period of time, after a while, you just, you feel so beat up. You feel so bruised that you just can't take it anymore. And I know for him, that was one of the deciding factors that impacted him and uh, his willingness to continue serving in pastoral ministry. So experiencing unhelpful criticism on a regular basis can be a big struggle. How about this? Struggling to handle conflict within the congregation. I got to tell you, this year, uh, this past year, with all the things taking place culturally and all the decisions we've had to make in the church and all the different opinions uh, people have on how best to handle um virus issues or whether we should wear masks or whether we shouldn't wear masks or whether there should be a hand sanitizer station over here or whether we should still serve coffee or whether we should be meeting at all. And I look at that and I got to tell you, there there's sometimes during the course of this past year that I have felt like one of my main jobs on a given day was to try and prevent conflict that was unnecessary over secondary issues from breaking out. And struggling to handle conflict within the congregation can be a real challenge. And uh, that was definitely tested in my life over the course of this past year. I wonder, I'm going to look over here at the at the uh, questions real quick before I finish up this section. Um, I'm just looking at some of the responses that some of you had. Yeah, Davis says, expected to be good at everything. And, and just like every other pastor, other pastor that parishioners have ever known. Yeah, and uh, Clint says, yes, but in 2020... My resolution was to not say yes. I'm guessing that was uh, with uh, the the feeling like you need to be good at everything, or maybe even uh, Clint with your ability to uh, 
to delegate responsibilities and things like that. But I'm just curious if any of you during the course of this past year um, have really noticed that that uh, handling conflict within the congregation was something that you really needed to stay focused on. Did anyone see that as something that you either were trying to be really cautious about or something that you really, um, you know, it just was hitting your radar in a new way? Is that something that anyone else um really saw as a pattern in this coming year, something that, that could really contribute to burnout if if we let it. Um, this idea of, of struggling to handle conflict. You know, I see Chris's answer with a yep. Um, yeah, absolutely, Chris. Um, I'll also say this, you know, number eight here on our list, common reasons for burnout, and I'm sure you can identify with this, lacking a healthy social life outside of the church among people that you aren't overseeing. You know, when you're when you're lacking a healthy social life outside of the church among people that you're not in charge of, people that you're not overseeing, if that's not present in your life, you start to notice that. That definitely becomes something that you you find yourself saying, okay, you know, this this is definitely a missing piece. I know that um I I joined a group for authors and podcasters earlier uh in uh in twenty twenty, and in the midst of it one of the things that I was really happy about was the fact that I had the privilege to be part of a group that I did not have to lead because so many things in my day-to-day life are things that I have to lead. And here I was, I was just, I was allowed to be in the midst of something that I did not personally have to lead. And it also ended up being something that helped provide some social interaction outside of the church. And it was among people that I wasn't overseeing. It made a big difference. So those are some of the major reasons for burnout. There's certainly other things that we could list on there. I think that we could also probably list family conflict. If you're experiencing family conflict at the same time you're trying to lead a church, that can be exhausting. Uh, but these are some of the common reasons for burnout that I wanted to acknowledge right here at the start because I feel a high degree of confidence that many of these are familiar to most, if not all of us, on the call today. Now, let's talk about some burnout symptoms. And the reason why I want to reference this is because one of the issues that I have had during seasons when I was really burning out is I didn't notice the symptoms soon enough. By the time I got to a spot of feeling exhausted or feeling like I wanted to quit or just feeling completely worn out, there were things that were indicators leading up to that that, un- unfortunately, I wasn't noticing. And when you get to that spot of burnout, there have been clues all along the way. And sometimes if we can notice some of these symptoms ahead of time, we could actually work toward not burning out before it actually becomes an issue. Uh, so what, is, what do some burnout symptoms look like? Well, let's start with the most obvious one, exhaustion and fatigue. Uh, sometimes you'll feel just unnaturally exhausted. I remember at one point in the midst of a season where I thought, you know, I'm pretty close to burning out. And uh, I remember thinking, uh, you know, I, I, I thought, boy, I'd, I'd, I'd almost do any other job right now other than serve in church leadership. I was feeling so exhausted. And in the midst of that, a friend of mine looked at my face the one day. He was just looking at my face. And he said, you look tired. That was his comment. He's like, you look tired. Not just, you know, a question. It wasn't even so much a question. It was just a declaration. You look tired. He could just see it in my face. Remember another time when I was pretty close to the brink 
uh, a friend of mine who just, he's a real prayer warrior. He pulled me aside and he didn't really ask a whole lot of permission from me on this other than he just kind of told me he was going to do it. And, and I guess sort of asked, but, um, but really just decided to go for it. Just pulled me aside and he said, I, I, I feel led to pray for you right now. Just want to pray for you right now. Is it okay if I pray for you? And obviously I said yes. And it, it was just so refreshing to have a brother in Christ praying for me in the midst of that, but he could see it. He, there were visible clues. And I think a lot of it had to do with exhaustion and fatigue. So maybe some of us on the call here have, um, noticed that, you know, maybe that's something. And we're not just talking about a normal amount here. We're talking about an abnormal amount of ongoing exhaustion and fatigue. How about this? Irritability, negativity, and a feeling of inadequacy where it just feels like anything can set you off. And it feels like, you, you know, w- without even realizing it, you're just, you're just getting negative about things. And, uh, and maybe you're even questioning whether or not you're sufficient for the task that you're, you've been called to do. Those are definitely, uh, some symptoms that you want to watch out for. And you may notice that in yourself, but I'll tell you what, it, whether or not you've noticed that in yourself, your, your spouse, your children, they will notice that in you. And, uh, could be maybe even a, a dangerous thing to ask it, but, uh, it, it's certainly, certainly something that can be a visible symptom. How about this? Another symptom uh, of burnout can be reduced empathy, where you find yourself just not caring as much for what's going on in other people's lives. It's almost like you're in a protective spot where you're saying, you know what, I, I don't have time to feel what you're feeling. I don't have time to be um, overly concerned with what you're wrestling with. I've got my own issues. And so reduced empathy can be uh, something that we really wrestle with. And by the way, in the question section there, um, you know, maybe you could comment about some of these. I'd be interested to hear some of your experiences with that. I'll, I'll take a moment in just a, uh, just a few moments to, to read some of your responses and uh, interact with that. But maybe some of you have an experience with, uh, with some of these things here on this burnout symptoms list that would be useful for us to acknowledge here. How about this? Number four, a reduced sense of gratification, reward, or pleasure, where it seems like nothing seems to to really make you feel, you know, gratified. It just it, it's just like this constant sense of of discontent, um, and uh, you know, blessings don't don't feel like blessings, rewards don't feel like rewards. There's just this reduced sense of gratification. How about this as a symptom? Reduced productivity. You ever go through a stretch where you, you seem super productive and then you look at that and you think, wow, I got so much done. And then during a, a season when you're leading up to burnout, it's like you're not getting things done or things stay on your list of, yes, I intend to get that done, but it just doesn't seem like you're really getting things done in an efficient way. Things that used to take you five minutes are taking you an hour. Um, how about this? Number six on the list, a sense of overwhelm, a sense of despair, just feeling like there's nothing else I can do or just feeling like everything's crumbling around me. I remember going through one particular season of burnout where I just finally I had to look at the Lord and say, Lord, this is your church. This isn't my church. And I just feel overwhelmed with the needs of the church right now. And I feel like I'm despairing in the sense that I don't feel adequate for this task. And I, I remember just having 
to acknowledge that in prayer to the Lord and just just giving that over to him and saying, Lord, I have to acknowledge this is your church. It's not my church. It's your church. And I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I'm just going to give this over to you in a fresh way. Number seven, feeling isolated. Maybe you feel completely alone. Maybe you feel like people cannot identify with what you're going through. Maybe you feel like many of the tasks that you're doing, I'm certain this is the case for many church leaders on the call, you feel like you're, you're by yourself doing the things that you do. And uh, that can definitely be a, a, a symptom that burnout is right around the corner. How about this one? Insomnia. This one is a pretty obvious indicator in my life, and it's certainly something that my wife notices that if I'm going through a season where I'm not really sleeping, something is not right. And uh, I'm not a great sleeper to begin with, but I have to tell you, in the midst of uh, 2020, when things were really getting crazy and it's like every day I couldn't figure out what the next day was going to look like, I was amazed at how negatively my sleep was impacted uh, because my routine was changed up and and my sleeping habits changed, and at the same time, I was feeling exhausted with all sorts of new uh, pressures and responsibilities and everything else, and I was becoming an insomniac, and it'd be a lie for me to say that that's not something I still struggle with. That's actually something that's a real caution area of my own in my own life, and, and I need to be looking at that because that can really be an obvious sign, an obvious symptom of burnout. Number nine on the list here, relationship conflict, withdrawal, reduced intimacy. If you're pulling away from people, if you're pulling away uh, from your wife, you know, that's the type of thing that you want to acknowledge, you want to look at, uh, because it, it could very well mean that you're getting close to, to burnout and, um, and you want to be very careful with that. Number 10 is, is headaches, stomach upset, blood pressure issues. Um, one other that I don't have on the, the list here, but I actually saw it take place with one particular pastor. He would deal with back aches that really were, were associated with kind of like a nervous tension that he was dealing with. Uh, and it was a symptom of burnout. And we actually talked through it several years ago and identified that. And when he acknowledged that and began working through things in a very helpful way, he actually mentioned to me, he said, yeah, my back pain has gone away. It was completely related to burnout. It was completely related to my overly anxious feelings. And that's number 11 here on the list, mental health problems, anxiety, depression can be a very obvious symptom of burnout. So I wanted to acknowledge these things. And uh, in the comment section here, let me know, are these things that you have seen? Are these things that you have wrestled with? All right, so Tim has an interesting question for us here. What might be the distinction between worn out and burned out, if any? My opinion on that distinction, that's a, that's a great question, Tim. Um, my question with, or my, my uh, response to that would be severity. It's a severity issue. So worn out might be able to be solved with just a, a, a two week break, but burned out might be, uh, it, when you're burning out, it almost comes with a sense of despair where it, it where you're just convinced it will never get better. And uh, it can really be, it's just that deeper level struggle. So there's the severity. So, so I would say with worn out, sometimes if you're worn out, just a, a good season of rest uh, might be all you need. But if you're burned out, you're probably also going to need 
some outside counsel. You're going to probably need um, maybe a, a longer break from the things that you've been doing and probably a new plan on how you structure those things, those responsibilities, if you choose to get back into them. So that's a great question. Also, uh, let's see, Melanie here, she says, I've been struggling with, with bitterness after many interactions, which is a product of negativity, reduced empathy, and despair. Thanks for helping connect this. Absolutely, Melanie. That's a great um, observation on your part, you know, just to be able to acknowledge that, that these are things that you have been seeing in, uh, in your own life and kind of seeing that there's a connection between the two. I'm glad that that's, that that's um, you know, something that you're able to acknowledge. I think uh, being aware of these things actually helps us in, um, in, in just addressing them in a helpful way. Davis has been dealing with some of these symptoms and sees some of those. Um, Michael, here, here we go. Very honest answer from Michael here. He, he says, no lie, all of the above. So, you know, in looking at these burnout symptoms, I mean, we just listed 11 specific categories of burnout symptoms, and every single one of these resonated with Michael. So, Michael, I, I'm really glad that you're part of the, the webinar today, especially if this is if this is something that you've really been wrestling with, I, and I think you're going to appreciate uh, some of the next things we're about to talk about because we're going to work our way toward some helpful solutions. And so it's good that you're able to acknowledge that these are some symptoms that you're seeing. And I, I, I would suspect, Michael, you know, you, you stated that out loud, but I would suspect that you're not the only one on this call who might even say all of the above have been symptoms because these are things that they really tend to go together. This isn't some sort of, um, isolated list. You know, this is the type of thing one tends to lead to another and to another and to another, especially if these are things that have been continuing for a long period of time. But let's, let's work our way towards some solutions now. Um, let's start off with biblical counsel here. I, 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 I want to make sure that you know, as we acknowledge these things and as we think about this, that we recognize that the Lord is ultimately our solution. And um, he has given us very helpful counsel in his word. And so I want to acknowledge that here, even before we go. And I have lists here of, of, of some things that I think we can do on a daily basis that I know are helpful. But without the biblical foundation um, anchoring these things, without recognizing that Christ is the ultimate solution, we're going to be spinning our wheels. And so I want to look at uh, some familiar portions of Scripture. I think we go from familiar to less familiar in the list that I have for us here. But the first Scripture I want to point out to us when we're thinking about some biblical counsel that can that can be very helpful to us if we're uh, wrestling with burnout is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And in Matthew chapter 11, uh, here we're given some verses that I, I'm sure that so many of us who preach have referenced these scriptures many, many times in our preaching. But how often do we preach these same words to our own heart? I would suspect not enough. And uh, in Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, I wanted to start off with that scripture because I love what Jesus says here for us. And if we're not convinced of what he says here, we need to get convinced of this because this is the ultimate solution for fatigue, for feeling worn out, and for being burned out. 
Jesus tells us that in him we will find rest for our souls. So if I'm trying to find rest for my soul through something that's unhealthy, well, that's not going to solve the problem of my burnout. It's going to make it worse. It's actually going to create additional problems. But if I try to find rest for my soul in Jesus Christ, I'm actually going to find the rest that I need. And so Jesus reveals that to us in Matthew chapter 11. Again, familiar portion of scripture. I've preached on it more times than I know. And you've probably spoken on it and preached on it as well. But I've probably shared those words with other people more than I've taken the time to actually meditate on them myself. I actually need to be preaching that message to my own heart. You need to be preaching that message to your own heart as well. How about this? This is helpful for for us in church leadership. Some other biblical counsel to consider from Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, where it says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now, that's a interesting distinction that the Apostle Paul makes in the book of Colossians because Paul was very intent on serving people and he eagerly served other people quite regularly and was very sacrificial in his service. But he said, listen, the work you do, and Paul was a hard worker, and I know that uh, all of us on the call here today, I'm, I'm certain we're hard workers. But it says, whatever you do, work heartily. So do that, but do so understanding that it's for the Lord and not for men. Because sometimes we get that jumbled in our minds, and it can lead to burnout. If if I'm serving the Lord, that's one thing. And if I'm serving ultimately for the praise of men, that's an unhealthy thing, and that's not good. That's not good for any of us. And sometimes our burnout comes from the fact that we realize that there's nothing we can do that's ultimately going to make everybody pleased all the time. And so if you're working heartily, but you're doing it for the praise of men instead of for the glory of the Lord, you're really setting yourself up for burnout. You're putting yourself in a spot where it's pretty much a guarantee that if you continue that for long enough, you're going to burn out. And that might be something we want to assess. Have we been in ways that we don't necessarily like to acknowledge? Have we been doing what we're doing for the praise of men instead of the glory of the Lord. I want you to just wrestle with that because we have to acknowledge that the people we serve, as lovely as they may be, they're not our our primary focus. They are our, our complementary focus. Our primary focus is that we glorify the Lord. And the way we do that is that we serve one another, but we're not doing it for the praise of men. And if we're trying to do this for the praise of men, and then we don't receive the praise that we were seeking, or if we end up receiving criticism in return, we're going to feel very discouraged. I have had that happen to me so many times, and that's why I personally need a reminder like this, and maybe you need that reminder as well. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I have to tell you, like I said earlier, I've been in full-time pastoral ministry for 23 years, and one of the hardest seasons that I had were my first six months as a pastor. Because imagine this, I I served a very divided church during my first year of ministry, and I went six months without receiving a compliment to any of my sermons. Now, when I look back at my early sermons, I agree, they were not that great, (laughs) and I had a lot to learn. But you would think that within six months that you might say something that might encourage somebody, but because it was a divided church, 
so the people that liked my sermons didn't want to say anything because they didn't want to upset the people that were not really eager to have a full-time pastor at that point. And so that was the big debate in the church when they hired me. Should we have a full-time pastor or should we not have a full-time pastor? And so the church was divided, separated into two camps. And the people that wanted a full-time pastor, they hired me and I came in and then found out that only half the church wanted a full-time pastor. So they wouldn't say anything to me. And then on principle, the others wouldn't say anything to me. And I had been there a full six months before someone finally acknowledge that they appreciated a message. But by that point, I was so beat down and discouraged, and I was so disillusioned with what I thought pastoring was going to be like. And a reminder like this is something that I definitely needed at the time. Whatever you do, work heartily. So keep working hard, but make sure you you do so for the glory of God and not for the praise of men, because the praise of men is fleeting, and it's not what you want to base uh, the, your, your impression of whether or not you're having a successful ministry on. How about this? This is, this is a key one. And by the way, feel free to comment on any of these in the uh, questions because I'm going to be checking that out in just a second. But Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, this is a portion of Scripture that isn't acknowledged as much as it should be, but I'll read it for us, and then I want to make some comments on it. But it says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So there you have the writer of Hebrews speaking about the things that the children of Israel struggled with back in the days of the Exodus, where many of them did not experience the rest or the ultimate peace that they could experience through the Lord. They kept striving in unhealthy ways. And I remember the first time I read Hebrews chapter 4, um, I remember reading that chapter as a young man and thinking to myself, I don't know what this means. What does it mean to enter into God's rest? How do I enter God's rest? Well, the idea there is that we, that we allow him to do what only he can do and we find contentment in the work that he accomplishes instead of trying to find some sort of contentment in the work that we accomplish. So instead of relying on our own efforts, we rely on the work and the power and the strength of the Lord, and we enter into his rest. We trust him to do the work that only he can do, and so we rest from our works. We rest from trying to earn the favor of God. We rest from trying to find some sort of validation from uh, our our own labors and our own works. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us uh, that there is a rest for the people of God, and we need to enter the rest of God. We need to rest from our works and ultimately trust the Lord um, to, to do what only He can do. Any thoughts or comments from uh, those of you joining us live on the webinar related to that? I'd be interested to see if you have any insights or any thoughts on some of this biblical counsel and what's helpful for you to meditate on, and what's helpful for you to consider. Jot some of that down in the question section real quick so that we can acknowledge that and uh, and just think about that. You know, we have the words of Christ here encouraging us to come to him, all of us who labor, all of us who are heavy laden. Uh, we have the writer of, of uh, Colossians, which was the Apostle Paul, encouraging us to do what we do for the Lord's glory and not ultimately for the praise of men. You have the writer of Hebrews encouraging us to enter into God's rest. Are these things that 
that minister to you when you really think about them? Are these things that, that you desire to apply to your day-to-day life and your walk with the Lord and the ways in which you conduct your role of ministry leadership and, um, and what it's like to lead a congregation in your context from your particular role? Love to hear some of your thoughts on that. While you're jotting some of those down or some of those responses down, I want to uh, show you um, just a couple things here. It's more than a couple things, actually. I don't know if you're familiar um, with Kerry Newhoff, but in just a moment, I'm going to share some of his personal experiences with us. Uh, Michael says that uh, related to the biblical counsel, he says, I like the reminder that praise from mankind is fleeting. Yeah, it sure is. Praise from mankind is fleeting. And I have to admit that, um, you know, if you're familiar with Gary Chapman's five love languages, one of the things that I think is, you know, my primary love language, according to Gary Chapman, is words of affirmation. So if you're a words of affirmation person, when people give you a word of encouragement or if they praise something that you do, it you feel it pretty strongly. And if they criticize you, you feel it pretty strongly. And if there's silence, you feel it pretty strongly. And, um, yeah, we need to always remember that praise from man is a very fleeting thing. Um, also, let's see here. Chris shares with us, it's important to remember who you truly serve and truly work for. People will let you down, but Jesus is a faithful friend. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's fantastic, Chris. That is important to remember. And, um, and we need to remember who we truly serve. Tim shares with us, it's easier to preach these passages and even believe them, but the put into practice is the challenge. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. You know, we can say this, we can believe it in our heart, but to actually live it out can be quite a challenge. Um, I want to share with you guys something. Thank you guys for sharing that. I, I always appreciate hearing your insights. Um, I want to share... I don't know if you're familiar with Carrie Newhoff. Carrie Newhoff has um, some popular books, some popular podcasts, um, and uh, and really he's you know he's somebody um, that that you know has served church leaders in in uh, quite a few capacities. And he went through a season back in 2006 of pronounced burnout. It really had a, a huge negative impact on uh, him, and he's decided in recent years to be very transparent. And this is what he shared. You know, how do you know if you're heading for burnout? Well, uh, this is similar to some of the symptoms that we shared just a moment ago, but I'll, I'll read through these quickly because I want to get into some uh, solutions and things that we'll find helpful here. But I want to just share Kerry Newhoff's experience with us. Maybe you'll find this helpful. He said in his context, he knows that you, he said, your motivation is faded. The passion that fueled you is gone and your motivation is either vaporized or become self-centered. He says, your main emotion is numbness. You no longer feel the highs or the lows. This was actually one of the earliest signs for me that the edge was near. And, um, and he, he also, uh, wrote more about emotional numbness during that time, um, and, uh, and thought about it, uh, a lot. And he also shares some of that on his website. I encourage you to check it out. But he also says people drain you. And, um, you know, he, he, he mentions the fact, of course, there's draining people on the best of days, but not everybody every time. And he noticed that he got to the, to the spot 
that that everybody was draining him, nobody was energizing him. Um, how about this? He, he said, little things make you disproportionately angry. When you start losing your cool over small things, it's a sign something deeper is very wrong. He also said, you're becoming cynical. Many leaders fight this one, but cynicism rarely finds a home and a healthy heart. He also shared this. He said, your productivity is dropping. You might be working long hours, but you're producing little of value. We mentioned this on our list earlier. And he says, what used to take you five minutes now takes you 45. That is a warning bell. Number seven is a key one that we haven't really mentioned much yet, but um, I, I want to mention it here because Kerry Newhoff has it in his list. But he says, you're self-medicating. So I want you to think about this. You're self-medicating. Your coping mechanism has gone underground or dark. So sometimes that could be, you know, a coping mechanism that you're using to, um, you know, just try and medicate your pain or get your mind off of, of your pain or your sense of burnout. But you know it's something that you wouldn't want other people to know about. And so it goes underground. It goes dark. And he gives a few examples, but there's more examples than this that we could listen or, or list. He says whether that's overeating, overworking, drinking, impulsive spending, or even drugs. And he doesn't list, there's, there's actually two others that I've seen um, becoming more and more common. One is pornography usage, and that tends to be an area of self-medication that some people have unfortunately drifted toward. And even uh, like video game usage, I've seen that as being kind of a diversion that some people, particularly those that are younger leaders, they kind of drift into a world of, of spending hours and hours and hours just consuming their time with playing video games. And you would think, well, wouldn't that only be, you know, maybe for teenagers? No, like that's something that, that, you know, grown adults can find is a, a diversion that can consume a lot of time. And what he's saying here is you, you've chosen a path of self-medication over self-care. And in his case, he says, ironically, my self-medication was actually more work, which just spirals things downward. So in his context, his solution for being overworked was to overwork himself. So you can see why he, he crashed and, and, and really hit a wall back in 2006. He also noticed that uh, of himself, and he would say this prescriptively, he said, you don't laugh anymore. Nothing seems fun or funny, and at its worst, you begin to resent people who enjoy life. So you see other people enjoying their life, and you look at it and you say, all right, I, I'm not crazy about that. I, I actually would like to see you in pain like I'm in pain. So those are some of the things that he referenced there. But let's let's get into this idea of combating burnout. And one of the things that I'd love to hear from you guys as we go through this and as we talk about ways in which we can actually bounce back from burnout and combat the burnout that maybe we're struggling with, if you latch on to one of these here, please comment quickly in the comment section so I notice it. Um, but one of the, let, let's work through some, some uh, suggestions here, some practical tips for combating burnout. Number one would be this, know your job. Now, what's, what's meant by that? You know, what do we mean by know your job? Well, many of us feel like we're burning out because, as we mentioned earlier, we've got 18 million tasks that we're expected to do and be good at. We're expected to be a jack of all trades. We're expected to, to know everything from tech to counseling to leadership to, to preaching to teaching to building repair to 
job referrals, to making recommendations on anything, parenting, marriage, whatever it may be. We're expected to be good at it all works. And some people think it's all our job. And um, and so one of the things that can be actually a very practical thing for us to do, and these suggestions are in no particular order because some of these are practical and some of these are spiritual. So obviously the spiritual, we would say, we'd want to elevate that as a foundational thing. But this is kind of a practical one that I thought I'd mention right off here. Um, having a job description and clarifying your responsibilities, especially if you have new responsibilities, super helpful if you're going to combat burnout. Because if you know your job, then you can focus on what's actually your job. And you don't have to spend all your time focusing on things that really aren't your job to do. It's not your calling from God. It's not your responsibility and your role of leadership. You can trust somebody else to do that. Or you can also trust that maybe it just doesn't get done. There's certain, not everything has to get done. Sometimes it's nice to just leave something undone because that gives an opportunity, creates a void for somebody with a calling on their life to step up and do that thing. So know your job. Have a job description. Be clear about your responsibilities. Second thing would be this. as a practical tip for combating burnout. Check in regularly with your leadership in a proactive, not reactive way. Now, why am I saying proactive, not reactive? Well, some people just wait till there's a problem and then they react. But I think healthy leadership tries to be proactive and anticipate problems that could come about. And so you want to check in with the other leaders in a proactive way and just kind of touch base. We have um, two rungs of leadership in our church. We have elders and we have ministry directors. So our ministry term ministry directors, we kind of use that synonymously with deacons. So we have ministry directors who oversee different um ministries in the church, and we have our elders who oversee the doctrine and leadership and just general spiritual oversight of the church. And we actually just set up a new policy for this coming year of how we're going to regularly check in. And so what we do is I meet with the elders on the even number month. So we actually just met in December. Uh, the even number months we meet on typically the first or second Sunday after um, worship services are done while we're all there together. And it's not a time for us to complain. It's not a time for us to, to like pick apart the pastor or anything like that. It's really a, a meeting where we're trying to be proactive, not just reactive. There might be a few things we have to be reactive toward, but generally we try and be proactive. And I try and be very transparent about things that are my needs or things that I need from them or need their help with. Um, and then our ministry directors, we meet with them. Uh, on the the uh, second Tuesday of every month on the odd number months. And we try and think about, you know, things that are going well, things that we are looking forward to, things that we're trying to plan out. So it's actually helpful to check in regularly with your leadership. If you don't have proactive meetings like that with your leadership, if everything, if the only time you're ever meeting is in a reactive way once a problem arises, that definitely can contribute to burnout, but if you check in regularly with your leadership in a proactive way, that could actually be a practical way to combat burnout. How about this? A third thing, get routine health checks to rule out underlying medical conditions. Um, this is something I'm here encouraging you to do this, but I'm, I'm really trying to get better at this myself because this is something I'm terrible at. I, I definitely don't get routine health checks as often as I should. I did improve that prior to the the pandemic, and then 
uh, all the appointments that I had made to get things checked on, then they got all canceled and it, and it interrupted that routine. But sometimes there can be things that are medical conditions that we're not noticing that are showing symptoms in other areas. And so if you're in a, in a, just a healthy routine of getting health checks, that's certainly a wise thing to do. It can help, it, it can help you, um, just eradicate certain problems or address certain problems that might be contributing to feelings of fatigue or, or whatever it may be, or just exhaustion. A fourth practical tip for combating burnout would be this. Seek social connections outside church. Seek social connections outside church. Now, it doesn't have to be 30 social connections. It can be one or two. But you need some people in your life that you are not directly responsible for leading. You need to have friends in your life that they don't see you as their leader. They're, you're just their friend. And uh, they can speak to you in a way that's different from somebody who looks at you as a leader in their life. And you will speak to people and be more transparent with people when you don't feel like you have to be in charge of them. When you can speak openly and you don't have to fear some level of consequence that impacts what you do vocationally or ministry-wise. So seek social connections outside of church. That was... so. I didn't excel at getting routine health checks in 2020, but I did excel at seeking social connections outside the church. That was actually one of the things I got right this past year. And I got to tell you, it was the highlight of the year for me. Uh, you know, I, I met more people and became friends with more people in, uh, in the past year than at any time in my uh, adult life other than I would say my freshman year of college. I met more new people. During this past year, I tried in in a year where we were all being encouraged to isolate. I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the opposite. I'm actually going to seek some social connections outside the church. And even if it has to be something where I just connect with people virtually or via phone or whatever it may be, I'm going to seek social connections outside the church. I tried to be very intentional about doing that. And um, it definitely was one of the the right things for me. And it really helped me combat burnout. Uh, to have those friends that could speak into my life that I wasn't responsible for leading. I'd encourage you to look into that. Uh, a fifth thing would be this. Take quarterly vacations. And um, and some of you might be saying, because I saw your answers earlier, some of you take vacation less than one week a year. Some of you are two weeks. Some of you are three weeks. I'm going to encourage you at some point along the way, if you can set it up where you can, at least, especially those of you that are preaching, if you can take you know, like a once a quarter, make it so that you're not preaching or speaking and just figure out something fun that you can do with your family that maybe is three days long, maybe it's a week long. Um, our family has something set up that we've set up gradually over the years where we actually do this, where we take quarterly vacations. And most of them, the truth is at this point, all of them are not complicated. They're actually very simple. They're very budget friendly. And, um, but we take some time off after Christmas leading into New Year's. And then we take time off again when my oldest children are on spring break from college. My wife ha happens to work at a college too. So she has the same week off. So we take another, you know, stretch of time off then that'll be in March. And then we take some time off in July. And then we take some time again in October. In October, we rent a cabin and uh, we go and hang out in this cabin that's a couple hours from our house and we don't do a whole lot else other than hang out in that cabin, and it's lovely. In December, we go and visit family in different areas. 
In March, we've also been renting a cabin in a different place that they give a discount for people in ministry. And so we've been utilizing that. And in the summer, we uh, go to um, a Christian camp up in western New York for a week of family camp. And we get together with extended family, and we all stay up there, and, and we're there for a week. And it's fantastic. None of those things are expensive. None of those things are complicated. And those are things that I'd encourage you, if you're able to figure out a way to do that, uh, gradually working toward taking quarterly vacations will renew your enthusiasm for preaching, speaking, and leading, and your tank gets a little bit more full. Now, before I, I jump into number six, I saw a few of you had some uh, helpful comments here. Um, let's see here. We heard from Carla. And Carla says, number four is a great choice because you get to touch base with new insights. And uh, so number four is the idea of seeking social connections outside the church. Yeah, absolutely. You get to hear from new people with new insights. And uh, Carla also shares number five gives time for quiet time. And I'm bad at this, she says. I think a lot of us are probably bad at that, Carla. That's something that we all wrestle with. But you're right. If you take a, some quarterly vacations, uh, especially if you take vacations in some of the places my family's been going, where there isn't always Wi-Fi or there isn't always a TV to distract or whatever it may be, you end up just having time to sit down and be quiet, and it definitely is restorative, and it's very helpful. So I, I agree with your assessment on both of those. Here's number six we have here on the list. Take time out for self-care. So have a regular hobby or an annual retreat. And one of the things, so many of you could probably, if you if you really wanted to, you could probably get away from a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like midweek for three days, if you really wanted to, based on how I know a lot of church leaders' schedules are set up, you might be able to get away for a time like that at some point during the year, in addition to a vacation, just for a time for an annual retreat. So if you know something for church leaders, usually those are very affordable. Maybe you could go to that. Um, about five or six years ago when I was really, really close to burnout, and maybe I was burned out. Maybe I should just call it burned out. I didn't quit, but I, I was feeling pretty low. A friend of mine who uh, worked at a Christian camp told me that they had cabins there that they would allow pastors to use for free. And he said, I could come and use it for a few days for free. And so I went from a Tuesday to a Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by myself. I brought my just a bunch of books that I wanted to read. And um, and I went and I stayed in this lovely cabin that had a, a nice gas fireplace and I was able to use that, so I didn't have to build a fire, just flicked a switch and the fireplace would come on. And I remember just sitting there and praying and listening to podcasts and reading books, and I recharged, and it was brief, but it was helpful. So take time out for self-care. Super helpful. How about this? Exercise. I don't know how many of you, the, the comment section is going to be quiet on this one, I'm sure, right? Exercise. Any of us excel at exercise? This is something I really want to get better at, and I go through spurts where I'm good at it and spurts when I'm bad at it, but even just 30 minutes a day. And I, I'll give you a suggestion here. You don't have to be somebody that hops on an elliptical or, or somebody that lifts weights. If you just somehow make it a habit to take a 30-minute walk each day, it will have a positive impact on your mind and on your body. You could use it as a prayer time. You could use it as something where you just pause from from uh, just the, the mental weight of the things that you're responsible for. I know a pastor, uh, he's, um, he's with the Lord now. Um, he retired right around the time that I became a pastor. 
And uh, he, when he was active in ministry, one of the things that he used to do is he would walk around their church sanctuary uh, when no one was in the building. It was a, a large enough building that he would just walk around the outside perimeter. It's still inside the building, but the outside perimeter that went around all the seating. And he would just walk circles around the sanctuary there. And he said it was very restorative. It was very helpful for him as far as combating burnout. It was just a way that no matter what the weather was, he could take a walk. And he made a point to do that. And he felt like it really contributed to his his health and his longevity in ministry. Number eight is this. Eat well. And, uh, you know, some suggestions. A balanced diet with portion control. This eating is one of the areas where those in church leadership tend to get away with self-medicating in a bad way. Because if you're eating food in front of people, people, everybody has to eat, so people aren't going to judge you so much about it. But if you look at many of us in ministry, you know, we don't always keep our bodies as healthy as we should. And, um, you know, th- I'm thankful that here on this webinar you can only see my face and my shoulders because I got to tell you, over the past year, my belly's been growing, and uh, I would like to reduce its size so that I don't need to buy some new pants. And um, eating well is something that I really need to stay focused on. I've, I've started to get back into the habit of eating well because um, I noticed I really let that go, and I think it was because I was stressed about a bunch of things over the past year. And no one really judges you. If, if you're eating uh, a hoagie, because they don't know that it's the fourth hoagie that you've had that week. And no one really judges you if your diet's primarily consisting of pizza, because people aren't really seeing that. But even if someone does catch you eating a pizza, they're not going to overly judge you. They're just going to look at that and say, yeah, I like pizza too. But we know how many times we've been doing it. One of my weaknesses is Chinese food. I love Chinese food. There's a place right down the street from me that's got great Chinese food, but I know that one meal is more calories than I should be eating in an entire day. And I end up self-medicating with Chinese food. That is a mistake. That's not something I should do. I'm also very close to two Chick-fil-A's. That could be both good and bad. And, um, man, I love their food. <laughs> but you can't medicate with your, with food. You, you, we got to eat well. Uh, otherwise, we're going to end up contributing to burnout instead of helping ourselves get out of burnout or avoid burnout. Number nine, and this is why I said our, our list here is in no particular order, because really we could put this first on the list. We want to be praying daily. So this can be individually, this can be with your spouse, this, this can be with other leaders in the church. But we want to be praying daily. We want to rely on the Lord for his strength. We want to rely on the Lord for his help. Number 10, delegate, particularly the activities that are not your strengths. And this might involve some humility where you just have to admit that you are not good at everything. And there are certain things that you need to delegate to other people. I, I know, um, you know, that this is the type of thing that, that I've really had to think about, you know, delegating. A few other things here. Say no when it's appropriate. Someone had uh, commented earlier. Let me look through the comments. Um, Oh, where was it? Let's see. Was it Clint? Yeah. Clint said earlier that in 2020, his resolution was to not say yes. Clint can give us some good counsel on this because we need to learn to say no when it's appropriate. We don't have to agree to every request. We don't have to agree to every expectation. Um, Shelby also says in regard to, uh, to fitness habits that uh, my Fitbit helps me to get in my steps of 5,000 to 10,000 a day. 
apparently I need to buy a Fitbit, Shelby, because <laughs> that's something that I really need to get back into. I'm, I'm most healthy when I'm walking regularly, and that's really a goal of mine for this coming year. So that's a good, that's a good bit of counsel. But yeah, so exercise, saying no when it's appropriate. It is appropriate at times for us to say no. We've got to do that. How about this? Number 12, have a large referral base so that the burden of pastoral care can be shared. I recently was counseling with a couple for many months and then got to a point where I thought, okay, I have done all I can to help this couple, which means at this point, I have got to refer them to somebody else because I don't have anything new to offer them. And this is going to turn into a, like a codependency type of thing where they, where they're relying and, and overly dependent on pastoral counsel from me. And I thought it's been enough months. I need to refer them. And so I actually made a referral there. And you want to have a large referral base, especially with your counseling, so that maybe you're doing the initial counseling and helping people with the initial problem. Uh, but you also want to make sure that the burden of pastoral care isn't exclusively on you. So maybe some people in the congregation who can help, uh, or even some people in the community uh, or other professionals. Uh, another suggestion, stay connected to other pastors, clergy, or leaders. And look at leadership training opportunities, some of which you can do together. There are other pastors that I get together with from time to time to attend things that are leadership training opportunities, especially when we're able to do things in person. And I'm looking forward to getting back to that as things start to open up gradually. Um, number 14, have written policies for conflict management. Two years ago, one of the things our church worked hard at was increasing, um, you know, just updating our policy book. Uh, related to a variety of things. And so having written policies for conflict management can help you not to feel burned out with the unique situations that probably are going to come across your desk. And having policies for how certain things are going to be dealt with can make it so that you don't have to be reactive, you can be proactive. Again, you know, number 15, uh, recognize the warning signs of burnout. That's why we shared about that earlier. Number 16, seek counseling and support. You offer so much counseling to others. You've seen it help people. So there's nothing wrong with you seeking counseling or support from others. And it may be that you have a pastor friend that you trust or a family member that you trust who will keep your need for counseling, your desire for counseling in confidence. And you can do that and, and not have it be such a public thing. But seek counseling, seek support. Uh, there are a few people in my life that I thank for being my pastor. You know, I, 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 I can go to them when I have pastoral needs. I'll just thank them. You know, thank you for being a pastor to me today. Last thing on the list here is this. Rest and recharge. This cannot be understated or overstated, I should say. It can be understated, but it can't be overstated. Rest and recharge. Have at least one day off, but let me, let me suggest something to you. Most people in their careers get two days off. I don't think it's wrong for those in church leadership to take two days off per week. I know I personally try to take Mondays and Saturdays off. I don't always get, I usually get Monday. I don't always get Saturday because sometimes we'll have something going on in the church on Saturday, but sometimes I get a half day on Saturday. So I try and take two days off if I can, Monday and Saturday preferably. And sometimes I get both, which is nice. And if you're really feeling like being proactive, schedule a sabbatical every three to five years. Uh, a friend of mine, he works in a church context where every three years, uh, the, they want their, their senior leadership to take three months off. And typically the way they do that is during the summer months. So they give them three months off during the summer. 
It's every three years. Now, it's a larger church, so maybe it feels like in your context, maybe that would be a, a little bit uh, more difficult. But if you can pull that off, it's worth it. Maybe you can only get a month, you know. But every few years, uh, incorporating a sabbatical, that can be really good. It might help you re-experience the joy of the nature of what you're doing. Davis shares here related to counseling support. He said, I learned shop around. Not every counselor will be a good fit for you. And counselors do not use the same methods. Um, that's absolutely true. They, counselors call that a therapeutic alliance. So there's not every, not every counselor will you feel like you can build a therapeutic alliance with. And so, yeah, that's good counsel from Davis. You do want to shop around, you know, look around, make sure you find the right fit because you want to find someone that ultimately you trust and can work with. So, uh, at this point here, uh, just want to have a, a quick moment of discussion and see if there's any thoughts or comments that any of you have related to any of the things that we just shared. And uh, because I'd love to hear feedback from you before we finish up today uh, related to any of these suggestions or even where you're at in your day-to-day -day life and in your ministry. So please put those things in the question section there uh, because I'd, I'd love to take a moment to address them. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I do have a free, I have a bunch of free things over at desirejesus.com. But one of the things you'll be able to find over there that's that's a, a good freebie is um, a, a free book that I have right now called The Mind of Christ. And uh, if you're looking for something that is just a, a, a biblical encouragement for what Scripture says related to thinking and perceiving things with a Christ-centered perspective, you can grab a free copy of that over there. Um, that's something you'll find very easily on the website. There's actually a banner going right across the top edge of the website that has the link for that free book. And feel free to download it. And feel free to share it with others if you think it'd be helpful with others. Uh, have no hesitancy in uh, sharing that with, with others. Um, but yeah, I just wonder if there's any other questions or comments or personal insights that some of you might be able to share for us related to any of these things before we finish up. And uh, Sean, if there's anything from you as well or any comments from you, I'd love to hear it as well. So just, John, I was just going to mention, I think you already mentioned this, but just to, so they know, are you going to share the slides uh, on your website? Uh, I think those available for Sure. And actually what I'll do, I, gotta, I, I noticed one thing I want to edit in the slides, so I'm going to edit those and I'll have those available. But if, if anyone wants the slides, I'll have them do this. Just send me an email. Uh, my email address is john at desirejesus.com. So if you want the slides, just send me an email to john at desirejesus.com, and I'll be happy to send uh, the slides over to you. And feel free to use them in the context of your ministry if you think they'd be helpful for others. Uh, let's see. Carla says here, number 17 is great. And it's good to give this list to those who work in ministry and will we'll give them a better understanding of what their pastors really encounter. Yeah, absolutely, Carla. You know, it's, it's an un, our, our role in church leadership is not always well understood. And so if we're able to help others understand that, that's certainly a beneficial thing. And by the way, you, you have a copy of the worksheets too. Feel free to share those with others. And I, I have, uh, four recommended resources. Uh, what I shared today, a lot of that content uh, is elaborated on in four of those resources there. And so I want to acknowledge uh, each of those, and that's listed for us on the worksheet. Uh, some of the the authors like Carrie Newhoff and others that I've listed on there that have spoken extensively 
on this. And so I, I did make reference to that on the base of the worksheet. But any other, any other thoughts or insights or comments from anyone with us today? Let's see, I see Pamela's comment here. Uh, my disorganization contributes greatly to my burnout. I get overwhelmed trying to dig up the materials I need. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that can be a real challenge. Just having a conversation. I had a long meeting this morning and I, I had a conversation with somebody about that very topic, Pamela. You know, the idea of organization and how that really contributes to how we feel about what we're getting done and what we feel like we're not getting done. Yeah, absolutely. Shelby also mentions here, ministerial groups are very helpful to be involved in. Uh, I'm involved in a group made up of other denominations. Yeah, it's, yeah, we don't want to isolate. So much of what we're doing is isolated. And Sean, I know you've served in pastoral ministry for a long time and, and, uh, I suspect that, that you've, you know, seen that as well, how easy it can be, uh, to not even on purpose be isolated at times. We feel isolated and alone in our, in our roles. Yeah. Even this webinar, just a constant reminder of what we're all going through that's similar. We're all going through very similar challenges at church leadership. And we don't, and when we isolate ourselves, we kind of think we're all alone. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just, just even being on this webinar, just seeing the responses mm -hmm. and your content is so, I mean, it just hits the mark so much because we're all dealing with the exact same things. Yeah. None, we all think we're the only one dealing with it until we all get together and acknowledge it out loud and realize, oh no, we're all dealing with the same exact thing. I see, I see, uh, Michael's comment, uh, related to that. He says, thank you for your advice. And, uh, I plan to review this with my family and discuss necessary changes. Michael, I hope that that's a blessing, uh, for you. And I hope that there might be something here that's useful for your family as you kind of wrestle with this together. Um, really grateful that you were able to be part of the webinar today. Well, at this point, I, I'll turn it over to you, Sean. Thank you. All right. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to put a link um, in the question section, the chat section. And that is a link to the next webinar that we're going to do with Pastor John. I'll mention that information here briefly. But you may want to just click on that link or, you know, at least copy it to, you know, maybe bring it up, copy it to choose later. But, um uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be on March second. Um, so uh, we'll mention some more information about that here in a moment. Uh, but there's a link to go ahead and join that. And uh, so John, uh, Pastor John's next webinar with us is going to be influence versus positional leadership, and we're going to do that on March second at one Eastern. We're so thankful you joined us today. So again, want to thank uh, Pastor John. Pastor John, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Sean. Always enjoy it. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.